You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. I think you're right. Damn straight, I'm right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Hacking Humans podcast, an occasional series we call Hacking Humans Goes to the Movies. I'm Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire, and joining me is my Hacking Humans co-host, Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. On this show, Joe and I look at clips from some of our favorite movies, clips which demonstrate some of the scams and schemes we talk about on Hacking Humans. Joining the fun this week is our very special guest, Tracy Mayleaf. She is from Krebs Stamos Group. You may know her on Twitter as Infosec Sherpa. I've had the pleasure of knowing Tracy for a few years now, and I am very excited to have you on the show. Tracy, thanks for joining us. It's an honor to be here, and I'm thrilled that you asked me. Thanks. Thanks so much. All right. We've got some fun clips to share, so stay tuned. We will be right back after this message from our show sponsor. All right, let's jump into our clips here. And uh, Tracy, we're going to put you right on the hot seat here and have you start (laughs) things off for us. Uh, What is your movie this week? My movie is Working Girl. Uh, Mm. It is a 1988 film starring uh, Melanie Griffith, Harrison Ford, Sigourney Weaver. Um, It's directed by Mike Nichols. I, I think there's just so many layers to this film and it it only occurred to me recently within the past few years of how much there are infosec ideas and principles as a Mm. part of this. Um, I don't think it was intended that way. I think it was more supposed to be, you know, a look at like big business in America and cutthroat Wall Street and things like that. But if you watch it and actually the two clips that I, I picked out, I think you'll see there's a, a lot of, of infosec ideas and principles in here that I think we can learn from. And I just and also I just think it's a great, a great film. Yeah. I, I remember this film. I, I did see it in the movie theater when it came out. And uh, you know, this was when I think every pretty much everybody in this film were at the height of their powers when this movie came out, right? You got Harrison Ford and Melanie Griffith and um, Joan Cusack is in this film. Lots of Alec, Oscar nominations. Yeah. Alec Baldwin's in it. Um, yeah. Kevin Spacey's in it, Lumpetacaucus. Yeah. yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's a there's a lot of big names in it. And one thing I thought of this morning that I I didn't want to forget to mention is the also the interesting dynamic about this film. Now I I could be wrong, so I, I'm just going to kind of throw this out there. I think think this may have been one of the first films to show the dynamic of a of a female boss a woman boss with a, a woman subordinate, specifically hmm. a, su- a woman subordinate that she, sorry, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this movie, um, <laughs> tried try to, you know, manipulate and take credit for work and et cetera. It's, it's um, been over 30 years. If people haven't okay, seen the movie now, say, that's, if you haven't seen it by now, <laughs> yeah, now. exactly. Um, I just yeah, felt like the, you know, the obligatory spoiler alert uh, warning. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about that this morning, that that whole dynamic of, you know, a woman boss with a woman subordinate. And I think this movie would have been very different if it was uh, a man boss, to be honest. Yeah. I think I, I think that for some people was maybe some of the surprise of, oh, a, a woman is taking credit for another woman's work. Yes, that happens. <laughs> right. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, imagine that. Yeah. This is the first movie that I saw. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Sigourney Weaver. I, I've loved her since I was... 
what, 11 years or nine, nine or 10 years old, saw her an alien. Um, and it was like a fan of hers ever since. I thought that was, uh, probably one of the, that's probably one of the formative movies of my youth is yeah. alien. It's a great <laughs> movie. Uh, and, and when I saw this movie, I was like, this is the first time I've seen her being a bad guy playing the mm. villain. Mm. So, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for, for her playing the, uh, the, the breadth of characters. Uh, that's one of the things I look for in an actor and how I judge, how I judge their quality is the breadth of characters they portray. Yeah. All right. Well, before we dig into our first clip here, uh, Tracy, is there anything that we should know about the film to set this up? Okay. So this first uh, clip that I'm going to show you, um, and uh, and I wanted to explain that the order of these clips is out of order how they appear in the film. But I'm doing this intentionally because I feel like the the second clip that I want to play um, is lacking some background information, and I feel like this later clip explains it. So this is basically all about how OSINT and research and having information management, knowledge management, and thinking strategically uh, can be very useful, not only for mergers and acquisitions in the film, but for information security as well. So that should be a good setup for this. All right. Not without her. Jack. Trina. Are you trying to blow this deal? No, sir. I'm trying to make sure that it gets done right. Tess is this team's leader. She put this deal together. We shouldn't proceed without her. And you shouldn't go letting your Johnson make business decisions for you. Not, sir. I'm telling you, she's your man. Oh. And what brings you to that conclusion? She said so, and I believe her. I'm afraid that's not good enough. Now, are you with us or not? Jack, I forgive you. Now get on this elevator. Sorry, Catherine. You will be sorry, Jack. Ask him to tell you about the hole in your account. Uh, what hole? Orange, she's just playing games again. Let's get going. Fine, go. No, what hole? The people page? Now, this is ridiculous. Former Miss America Dawn Bixby's been house hunting here. Seems Dawn and hot, hot, hot DJ hubby Slim Slicker are getting ready to take a bite out of the big apple. So? Slim Slicker's one of Metro's major assets. Syndicated to all their stations, number one in his slot, the cornerstone of their programming. You lose him and Metro's just some okay real estate with falling ratings, and you're not exactly buying it for a write off. Better make sure he's locked in before they sign anything. Or I have this covered. Upstairs, shall we? Yes. All right. You're the lady out, sir. There's another elevator. Yeah, baby. Always have your source material. Don't be afraid to connect the dots. Okay, so uh, sorry for that that clip with the commentary, but honestly, I thought that this guy was proving my point, so that's why I sent <laughs> this clip. So what I why I, I captured this clip from the film is 
uh, I mean, this is OSINT, right? This is research. And mm -hmm. I like that this character was able to extract valuable information and turn it into intelligence based on gossip columns and society columns and cross-referenced it with business news. And I mean, that's absolutely 100% real. When I was a law firm librarian, that's the kind of stuff that I'd have to do as well when sometimes the attorneys would want to connect two individuals uh, for some reason. They would give me the names of two different people and it was my job to try and connect them. And that's the kind of information you need to dig up. So I feel like this is a really good example of not only using OSINT, but using the intelligence gathering process, you know, how, how to make intelligence out of data. So sure, a single column about a former Miss America and a, a you know a shock jock DJ house hunting, uh, you know, may not have any significance on its own. But as she pointed, as the character pointed out, okay, well, this is how it fits into this business decision and things like that. So I just think that right. this is a, a right. really great yep. way to explain that. One of the things that uh, every single intelligence agency in every every country has their intelligence agency. They all have an army of people that read newspapers or the equivalent of them now, but that's what they would do. Their job was read the newspaper and put things together. Yeah, connecting those dots. Right. And in this case, in the movie, she sort of proves her worth to these folks who are getting ready to, to do this big business deal to demonstrate that they overlooked something and her ability to connect the dots is going to make all the difference in the world. Exactly. And the other point I wanted to make, too, is the Harrison Ford character, Jack, in this was really an ally and an advocate to test the the Melanie Griffith character. And that's, you know, I talked before the clip about the significance of Sigourney Weaver being a, a woman boss in this situation. Um, but this is also significant that, you know, again, this kind of goes against a lot of the stereotypes we see or real life where, uh, you know, oh, a man couldn't possibly advocate or be an ally for a woman in business. But he was, and, you know, he stood by his convictions and and did that, you know, and stood by her. And that's also what we need more of in InfoSec are, you know, just especially, you know, if it's a, a, a man who may be listened to more than a woman, but to have those male allies is very crucial. So again, this this movie is just filled with all kinds of really good lessons and sociological uh, aspects and stuff. So it's just, I really think it, it's just underrated um, as far as it goes for, for these topics. I think a lot of people just respect it as a good entertainment piece, but I think that's really a lot deeper than that. Well, let's set up the, the second clip you have here for us. What, uh, what do we need to know before we look at this one? Sure. Now, this is a, a really good example of social engineering. So Tess and Jack uh, basically social engineer their way into the wedding of the the executive who, who in the previous scene, she was explaining all the connections to. Um, and the reason why I showed the second scene first is because that's this is all the information she has been gathering, and that was her proof. So what they needed to do was they needed to get to the head of this Trask company directly. And that's when they decided to take matters in their own hands and crash the wedding. Uh, so it's it's just some social engineering, you know, techniques and also maybe a bit of physical security, um, you know, of how they they got in and all. But again, the, the, the intel that they found of where the wedding was and, and whatnot was in the society pages and, and all that. So uh, this is really 
just the execution of of the plan of how to get directly to tr- to the Trask gentleman, the head of the company. All right, here's the scene. Who are you? I'm Tess. I'm I'm friend Marks. I'm just so happy that I could be here for you today. Glorious, fabulous, stunning, really, super elegant, perfect. <laughs> You're right, this is crazy, so let's just go. Excuse me. The woman that's dancing with Oren, what's her name? Oh, oh Elizabeth Stubblefield? That's right. Uh, Liz? Beth? Bitsy. Bitsy, that's right. Jack. You want to do it? Do it. Excuse us. Bitsy, don't break my heart and tell me you don't remember me. Of course I do. <laughs> Excuse us. <laughs> Talk about a small world, huh? I mean, here we've just met, and yet I feel as though I've spent so much time working with you, in a way. I'm in mergers and acquisitions at Petty Marsh. Oh. Well, I really wish we were having more luck with your team. And so do I. So do I. I've been trying to set you up with a radio network. But my bosses, they think that you're just stuck on acquiring television and won't even listen. Well, that's not true. Well, that's what I said. I said that the man who in 1971 looked into the future and saw that it was named microwave technology, the man who applied Japanese management principles while the others were still kowtowing to the unions, Mm -hmm. the man who saw the mobile breakup coming from miles away, I mean, this man did not get to be this man, you, I mean, by shutting himself off to new ideas. Am I right? I think you're right. You're damn straight I'm right. If you've got the right property, I'd love to hear about it. You would? Absolutely. Um, you know, I really, I just realized that I, this is, I'm hogging the father of the bride and I see Phyllis coming in. Well, what do you say that I give you a call on Monday? Well, our media consultant is Tim Draper. Tim, mm. right. Honey, I'm starved. So am I. Bye. 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 <laughs> All right. Yeah, so so hopefully you understand why I played them out of order as they appear because I wanted to demonstrate that she had all this this hard knowledge because she was showing in the clip the actual um, newspapers and magazines. And then in this clip, um, not only was the social engineering on display with Jack uh, asking the other bridesmaid, not only her name, but the real savvy extra move of, you know, what does she go by? Uh, because if he had just called her Elizabeth, then that would have tipped off the woman that, you know, he doesn't really know her. But by calling her Bitsy right. created right. that sense of familiarity. Uh, and then also, if you haven't seen this movie, this is where Tess is still pretending to be the one in charge, as, you know, as far as as Mr. Trask is is concerned. Uh, but again, if all that she rattled off there, that again, that was research that she did. Right, and right. And putting things together. So um, I just, I really like this movie for the OSINT and the research and the intelligence cycle. Uh, and it's just has a lot of great, 
quotes and clips in it, but this just really drives home the point to me of, you know, you need to do your research. You need to understand, you know, the the person you're in or or the threat actor you're investigating, you know, whatever whatever it is. And understanding the difference between data, knowledge, and intelligence. You know, the, she could have had all of these individual pieces of of data about him, uh, but enabled, but able to thread it together to make intelligence to understand his motivations. You know, she was really, um, you know, kind of manipulating him in a good right. way, uh, right. buttering him, him up, yeah, flattering mm-hmm. him, and mm-hmm. and all. But and she was just using his own life, <laughs> you know, to. Right. To do that, to really understand his motivations and all. So, yeah, I just, I just think those two scenes really uh, piece together why I think this is a good InfoSec-related film. Yeah, it's it's a good movie, and and also it just as an I think a, a side note, uh, it is very much a movie of its time. Uh-huh. Uh, it is you know it is the late eighties, so there's lots of big hair and shoulder pads, and uh, you know it's glorious, uh, it's glorious. <laughs> it really is. It uh. really is. And uh, you know I, I have a, a soft spot for Joan Cusack, who I think is good in everything she does. She got there were many Oscar nominations out of this movie. She was nominated for best supporting actress mm-hmm. along with Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, she really, really shined in this. And again, this is also really shows what what things were like for women in the mid to late 80s in business because the Joan Cusack character, for example, was pretty much content with being a secretary, which again, mm. there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, Tess had ambition and she was in some ways ostracized from the other secretaries for having ambition right. and, you know, having um, worked in offices in the nineties, I can say that that, that didn't change too much. There was the, uh, there was actually, there really was some sort of like hierarchy and I'm yeah. not saying that there weren't women. I, I worked for a, I won't say the name of it, but I worked as a secretary <laughs> for a management consulting firm mm. um, at what in the, in the early nineties and, there were definitely, you know, women in higher level positions, not as, there's probably more now. Uh, but yeah, there definitely was a hierarchical class between the secretaries and other people. So yeah, the, this really rings rings true. I, I feel like they they either had people who worked on Wall Street to talk to on this film, but they they really got like the, the lower hierarchy of, you know, the lower tranche of it. Yeah. Uh, well, well done. And um also, for for some younger folks watching this, the, all the scenes with coffee, you know, asking like, "How do you take your coffee?" and stuff like that. That was a thing oh, that yeah. secretaries had to do was right. to you know fetch coffee for bosses. And uh, I so just as a as a quick side note, as a funny story, when I when I was in high school, I did an internship in an office, a tourism office, but it was still you know an office, and. I remember I found this postcard that I thought was really funny. And there's a a famous coffee maker brand called Mr. Coffee. Well, this was a postcard that was called Ms. Coffee. And the deal with Ms. Coffee is that it had a thought bubble above it and it said, make it yourself. And I (laughs) got in trouble in the office for putting that up on my desk. Wow. (laughs) Yes, because yeah. yeah, times change. I was seen right? as a ra- radical. <laughs> yeah, I, putting that up was like it, it was like it's disrespectful, it's subordinate, it's radical, all this stuff, and 
Yeah. I was like, oh boy. And that wasn't that long ago. That was no. 80, 89, I think. Yeah, was yeah. when that happened. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, good clips from a good movie. Again, that's uh, Working Girl. Uh, Joe, what do you have for us this week? Well, my clip is from a movie nowhere near as good as Working Girl. It's Ocean's <laughs> 8, which is uh, starring Sandra Bullock and uh, some other people. But the it, this is a short clip, a really, a really short one. And actually, this clip has two scams in it, but we're just going to do the first one. Uh, maybe I'll save the second one for next time. Okay. Uh, but this one is uh, this. I thought I thought this one was really really clever, and this one what we're really going to focus on is pretext, which hmm. is the lie that people tell you to change your frame of uh, reference. So okay. why don't we begin with the clip? All right. like to return these. Oh, of course. Do you have your receipt? No, but they're unopened. They haven't been touched. I really need your receipt. They are sealed. They are brand new. Uh, do you have the credit card that you use? This is ridiculous. I, I bought these last week. Maybe you can try client services on the sixth floor. Never, never mind. I'll just keep them. Jesus. Can I at least get a bag? Sure. Oh, wow. <laughs> so this is brilliant, I think, in that it, it, it's elegant. Um, it is an absolutely elegant scam in that it's it's so simple uh, how it works. She walks in. She she acts like she's buying perfume or makeup or something and, uh, you know, even grabs a sampler, sprays it in the air and, like, sniffs at it. Then she just takes a couple of items off the shelf uh, and then tries – pretends like she's going to try to return them. And that's not even what the objective is. She actually is going to steal these things, but she doesn't She doesn't try to pocket them. She walks up and blatantly tries to return them, and when she knows that they won't uh, cooperate with this, and because, uh, I don't know, maybe she knows the policies, but when the uh, woman says, well, you can't return them without a receipt, you're going to have to go talk to client services, she says, well, can I at least get a bag, right? Right. And now she stuffs everything in a bag, and now she looks like she's purchased it. So if she walks out out of here by security, nobody thinks twice. Yeah, yeah. I suspect she would have been okay if they'd taken the return and given her cash. Yeah, I'm sure she well. would have. <laughs> yep. That would have that would have worked. Right. It's a it's a no lose situation. Yeah. Unless somebody sees you picking up the things off the shelf and then try to return them, then you probably lose big. Yeah. Tracy, what do you make of this? Um. A lot of things, actually. <laughs> uh, well, one is this is definitely from a point of privilege uh, that I don't think a woman of, of color necessarily would have been able to get away with something like this in the real world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that thought so, occurred to me as well. Yeah. That's right. Th- that this is, and also the privilege part of just of wealth, like it clearly was a, a wealthy store. So, um, right. She looks there, the part. She looks the part, although yeah, she, she looks, is actually. In the movie, she's not the part. Hmm. She's not. Yeah, wealthy. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple different areas of privilege going on here that made all this this possible. Um, the 
it also occurred, it also seems strange to me that the, the clerk gave up so easily. Um, now, I do understand why, though. I mean, because in, these, in a place like that, it's probably, you know, the customer's always right, and they were probably, she was probably instructed not to put up a fuss, but having, you know, trying to do, to le- do legitimate returns <laughs> in <Right>. department stores, <laughs> yes. it yes. has never been that smooth. So, I mean, I know it's a movie, but I, it, I, I wish right. they would have maybe had a little bit of a fight put up. It was, but it was her a objective is not easy. to get the return. Her objective is to walk out with the makeup, with the expensive yeah, makeup. Yeah. See, cause to so, me, I would have thought, well, like, why were you walking around with these things to return them? Like you would have had a bag in the first place. Right. You would have come um, in directly here and, yeah, and so, returned them. So like, I, again, like I, I know it's a movie and I, right. I, I'm not trying to be a wet blanket, but yeah, part, I was like, yeah, this <laughs> doesn't really seem. you've worked in retail, right? <laughs> yeah, I've worked in re- retail and I've, and I've had to do legitimate returns before. And I'm like, no, it never goes yeah. like that. So it's a little bit of poetic license for that. Yeah. Sure. One of the things I wonder is, um, you know, as she made her way around the store, there were several different clerks along the way. And I wonder to what degree did she, was she deliberate in choosing this clerk to be the one mm. to to target that, with the, the checkout? Is, did she say, this looks like the new person or something like yeah, that? Yeah, or someone younger or mm-hmm. or the furthest away from where she was so that the clerk couldn't see, you know, maybe how long she had been in the store or not been in the store, yeah. things like that. Um, yeah, it, it just, I also, I think it, it is a bad influence because I, I'm afraid it could give people ideas <laughs> to, yeah. to do this. So right. it kind of makes me nervous and it right. makes me feel this bad. This isn't working for, at Best Buy. Yeah. 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 Like it makes me feel bad for service workers because you, you know, you know, somebody saw this film and then tried to pull that. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I get it. This is, it's social engineering and that's what, what she, what we do you know, here. she needed to do. Yeah. That's what, what was that? So as far as, the task goes of social engineering this high-end department store out of some makeup, then it mm-hmm. was successful. But mm-hmm. from a humanitarian perspective, it was kind of a crappy thing to do. And, you know, it just kind of makes me cringe. And yeah, it's, if, if <laughs> I, you know, if- You don't if listen to this a, show, do you? That's because you're <laughs> yeah. a good person, Tracy. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> right. We talk about stuff every week that makes me cringe. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I just can't help myself going, hey, that's pretty clever. (laughs) Yeah, but I think the point is a good one. I mean, I think to me what makes this one work is that she walks into this place like she owns the place. Right. She's not trying – she's not skulking around. She's not trying to distract or or not have attention on her, right? Right. And that is part of what makes it work, I think. Yep. Yeah. And to compare – oh, sorry. Just And to compare and contrast the two – I mean, the Melanie Griffith character was, in her way, also performing, you know, social engineering, um, and it would benefit her. Now, I don't know that it really would have benefited her from pay-wise, because I don't think she had any financial stake in the merger and acquisition. Uh, so, because I, I know somebody could argue, well, they're both doing the same thing. They're both manipulating people. Mm. But in Ocean's 8... It was clearly for her own personal benefit. It was more, you know, black hat ish. You know, right. there was, and whereas the Melanie Griffith character, I would say, was more like gray white hat because, you know, I don't think she stood to benefit necessarily um, 
financially from the merger and acquisition. Now, I know, again, spoiler alert, at the end, she did uh, get a a job uh, out of it, like a higher level job. But I don't think that necessarily, like, I, I just feel like it's a little bit different. I think Melanie Griffith was just trying to prove her worth and, you know, also do the right thing for this company. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the other thing was just purely selfish and and whatnot. So I feel like that's where there's that, you know, really eth- ethical gray line. Of, well, Ocean's of 8 is a heist stuff. movie, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, those are our clips for this week. We want to thank all of you for coming along with us. We'll have links to all of those clips in the show notes. Uh, And, of course, we want to thank Tracy Mayleaf for joining us. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks for having me. This was great. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our senior producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpeep. I'm Dave Bittner. I'm Joe Kerrigan. I'm Tracy Mayleaf. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.